Welcome to Grace Church, man. It's great to have you all here with us this morning. And I just want to say a special welcome to those of you that are visiting for the first time. Uh, we want you to uh, hear from the Lord today. And I uh, also just want to say a special welcome to those of you watching online. And um, this morning we are beginning a new three-week series called If I Only Had. But before we do that, I wanted to just briefly recap a little bit about last weekend. Last weekend we had an incredible time focusing in on Go Out. That's our discipleship strategy here at Grace Church is we want to see people get in. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. We want to see them grow up in that faith. And then we want to see them go out. Our vision, our strategy is not for people to stay here and to rot, okay? We want them to go out from these four walls and to make a difference in the world in which they live. And so last week we focused in on go out, and it was an incredible time. And uh, if you remember, Judy Lopez uh, from Operation Christmas Child was here, and she shared her story. And I want to start by bragging on one of our G-Kids students. Last Sunday, Hunter Osborne, he heard Judy Lopez share her story of um, how a simple little shoebox changed her life from Operation Christmas Child. And so Hunter went home, and that afternoon he started building some boxes. And uh, I want you to see, here's a little picture of Hunter right here. Um, he's actually writing a little note that he's going to stick in the box. And uh, he was moved by her story. She not only shared with us up here in big church, but she also went downstairs last weekend and she talked directly with the children. And Hunter didn't stop at one. Last week, Hunter and his sister Brooklyn, they put together 20 boxes, okay? 20, which is incredible. And when a child, I love bragging on our kids, just so you know. And when one of our kids here at Grace, they respond in faith and they take action, I don't know if there's anything better than that. And so Hunter and Brooklyn, they put together these boxes, and this right here is such a beautiful picture of what we want to see happen every weekend here at Grace Church. We want to see people come and hear the truth of God's word, and we want to see you leave this place and do something with what you've heard, with what you've been taught. And that's exactly what Hunter and Brooklyn did, and, and I just wanted to brag on them for just a moment. We also saw a great turnout at our Love This Town informational meeting at JBO's. Uh, I'm excited about this ministry and what it's going to be doing for our community. We are going to love our community, and we're going to serve our community. And so that meeting went really well. We also raised over $800 for our You Choose fundraiser. And there was also a lot of excitement, a lot of interest. There was some questions, but there was a great uh, uh, showing when it came to an interest in regards to Reelan and Megan and what God is doing in their lives. Our youth pastor, if you were here last Sunday, our youth pastor is going to be uh, going in the spring of 2018 to North Carolina to plant a church. And uh, we are thrilled about this opportunity. We are so excited for them. We are going to support them as best we can, pray for them. And so it was just a great day last Sunday, uh, focusing in on Go Out. So today, once again, we're starting a new three-week series, and it's called If I Only Had. If I Only Had. And we're diving into the subject matter of comparison. And when you walked in today, hopefully everyone received one of these little mirrors. All right, If you could, go ahead and get your little mirror out. Hopefully everybody got one. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand and we'll, uh, we'll try to get one into your hands. You can raise your hand real high. We'll get one to you. So pull out your little mirror. And uh, I want you to uh, face the shiny side. Okay, Face the shiny side towards you. And I want you to look into that mirror. And I want to ask you a couple questions, all right? So don't look at me anymore. Look into your mirror, okay? 
And if you still don't have one, just look at your neighbor's mirror. All right? Look into your mirror. What do you see? What do you see when you look into that mirror? All right? I heard someone say, oh, my word. All right? I think, I think that's what I heard. It was the bald guy. Okay. All right? What do you see? What goes through your mind when you look into that? So don't, not looking at me, just look at that. What goes through your mind? Take a close look. What do you see? What enters your mind? Let me ask you this question. Do you like what you see? Do you like what you see when you're looking into that mirror? What do you see? You know, the first thing that many people see when they look into that little mirror that you have in your hand or when they look, you can look at me now, all right, or, or when you look into a mirror in the bathroom, the first thing that many people see are the blemishes, right? They see the gray hairs. I've lost count of how many gray hairs I have on my face, so I'm not counting anymore. They look at the spots. They look at what they don't like. Their mind immediately goes to the negative immediately goes to what's wrong with them, what's, what's not working right, or what doesn't look right. We go immediately to the negative. And there are some here, when you walked in, maybe you're a little conceited. Maybe you think a little bit too highly of yourself. And maybe you should have been given, uh, let me get this, this mirror, right? <laughs> maybe you should have been given this mirror, and you uh, think a little bit too highly of yourself. Hey, how you doing right there now? Yeah? You're like, whoo! The world is blessed to have you. Yeah, all right? Maybe this should have been your mirror, but it would it'd be hard to fit in your pocket. But for the rest of us, often we can struggle with our identity. We can struggle with, man, who has God made me to be? Like, why am I here? I mean, what is the purpose of this thing called life? What is the... Why do I exist? What am I here for? We're not content in who God has made you to be or who God has made me to be. You know, there's many of us, we're not comfortable in our own skin. There's many of us, we don't like what we see in the mirror. So what is comparison and why is it so dangerous? You know, many of us, especially young people, this is such an important message for the young people this morning. Many of us, especially the young people in our communities, are right in the middle of an identity crisis. I mean, they're right in the thick of it. They're trying to find out, who am I? Like, what, what, am, I, what am I here for? What's my life going to be about? You see, I always tell my boys, you know, middle school and high school is this much of your life. After high school, to hopefully you live a long life, is that much of your life. So don't do in this little span of time something that's going to mess up, that's going to jack up the rest of this time. But yet this little time right here is crucial. It's so crucial. There's so many, you're developing, there's so many questions that young people have. Who am I? Why am I here? What's this all about? And then on top of that, we live in this crazy social media world. It's crazy. It's easier today than ever before to constantly compare ourselves because we are bombarded with images and pictures. And we, we see all these images on Facebook, you know? And we see all these pictures on Instafame, you know? And we begin to think, if I only had what they had, if I only looked 
the way that she looked. If I was only, like, man, if only my guns were as big as his, you know? Wow, look at their house. Their house is huge. It's so awesome. Look at how many vacations they go on. Gosh, it's so incredible. I mean, look how beautiful she is. It looks, it looks like he makes so much money. Oh, my word, they have so many friends. Man, they have, they have more likes than I do. I mean, how do they get so many likes? They have more hearts than I do, you know? Some of the older generation are like, what are you talking about, man? You know, even outside of social media, speaking to the adults, we, we compare ourselves. We compare how much money we make compared to others. You know, we think, man, wow, they're camper. Their camper is so nice. My family's still in a tent. Like, their camper's awesome. My family still, still sleeps on the ground. You know, he has all the toys. He's got the razor and the skis and the bikes and the kayaks. And, and all I have is bills, you know? We're just comparing. You see, often our identity can be wrapped up in stuff. Here's a big one. I think a lot of people struggle with this. Often our identity can be wrapped up when we step on that scale. And whatever the number is, that's what we think about ourselves. But can I tell you something? A scale, I stepped on one this morning. It doesn't measure value. It doesn't measure worth. And it doesn't measure significance. We're constantly comparing what we have and how we look and what we do. Comparison is a thug that robs your joy. And comparison can also turn you into a thug because you can get to this wicked place where you beat other people down to make yourself look better. Comparison is a nasty, nasty trap. And if we stay in the death grip of comparison, it causes all kinds of chaos in our lives. It can cause chaos in the lives around us. So let's talk about, for just a moment, let's talk about why comparison is so dangerous. Comparison leads to jealousy. It leads to insecurity. It leads to self-loathing. You see, when I'm comparing myself to what others have, I never measure up. And so I begin to loathe myself. I begin to think so poorly of myself, and I'm not good enough, and I'm, I'm not doing enough, and I'm not making enough. Comparison leads to gossip. It, it even leads to the desire to tear other people down. It can lead us to this wicked place where we want to see others fall so that we feel better about ourselves. Let me ask you a question, and, and don't answer this out loud because it, you might, it might be a little embarrassing. Okay, so just answer this internally. This is a serious question. Have you ever secretly hoped inside? Be honest. Have you ever secretly hoped that someone would fail? Man, I, I hope they don't make the team. I hope they get hurt. I hope they lose their house. I hope their marriage doesn't make it. Their marriage is so perfect. I just, I hope their marriage doesn't make it. Have you ever secretly thought, I hope their business falls apart? And it just, everything goes right for them. I just, I want their business to fall apart. 
Sadly, there's been many pastors that have thought this. I hope their church implodes. Oh, good. Their kid dropped out of school. Now I feel better about my kid, you know? We, we find this wicked satisfaction in the failures of others. You have to admit, you have to agree that that is wickedness. That's a wicked place to be. Comparison can also lead us to make decisions for our families, not based upon what our family needs, not based upon what's in our best interest for our family, or not based upon the calling of God upon our lives, but comparison can lead us to make decisions based upon a desire for more. And more is never enough. You always want more. Our desire to keep up with the Joneses. You know, living a life controlled by comparison, it leads to envy, which turns to jealousy, and now the doors are just wide open for all kinds of wickedness, all kinds of destruction. Listen to what James, the brother of Jesus Christ, listen to what James said in a letter. It's in the back of your Bible. It's a little letter called the book of James. And he wrote this letter to help us understand what it looks like to be God's people. And you've got to read this letter. Read the whole thing this afternoon. Go home, read the book of James. It's so good. But let's see what he said to help us understand what it looks like to be God's people. James James chapter 3 and verse 16. He says this, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, Okay, what is selfish ambition? Selfish ambition is a selfish desire or it's working hard for your own personal gain. You're only looking out for yourself and you're working hard to make yourself succeed and you're doing it no matter the cost. It doesn't matter who you step on. It doesn't matter who you destroy. It's just looking out for me. That's selfish ambition. So wherever there is jealousy... And wherever there is this selfish ambition, there, in that place, that dark place, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. When you live in that place of jealousy, and you live in that place of selfish ambition, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be disorderly, and there's going to be evil of every kind. You know, some of you may disagree with this next statement, and that's okay. But we also have an enemy. We have a demonic power of evil that does everything he possibly can to steer us in the direction of comparison. He pours fuel, he pours gasoline on our low self-esteem. He tries to maneuver us in the direction of having no confidence. And he finds great satisfaction in our own self-degradation. I mean, he just wants us to be low, to think low of ourselves, to beat ourselves up. And as a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, 10, the Apostle John calls this leader of evil the accuser. That's his name, the accuser. You see, the accuser is always pointing out our flaws. He's always pointing out those blemishes and those spots and, and what you don't like about yourself. He loves seeing us walk around defeated. He doesn't want us confident. Like, are you kidding me? He doesn't want us bold. He doesn't want us brave. His goal is to lessen your confidence, especially in God. 
he tries to get us to focus on the dirt in our lives instead of the gold. He's the accuser. Just picture the accuser with his finger in your face. His finger in your face. And he's just pointing out everything that's wrong. He's always digging up your past and throwing it in your face. And he's just right there in your face accusing you. Many times wrongfully accusing you. But I am here to tell you today that God has uniquely created you and gifted you to live a life of purpose, a life of passion, a life that makes a difference. Yes, you. Be who God has designed you to be and live it to the fullest. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be your Uncle Fred. Don't try to be who you see on TV. Be who God has designed you to be. You need to be the you that God has designed. I need to be the me that God has designed me to be. And let me make it very clear. God did not make a mistake when he made you. He didn't make you on accident. He didn't create you with some cookie cutter mold in mind. We are all unique. We are all created so special. And our God is infinitely creative and brilliant. And every time God creates, he does so with intention. He does it on purpose. You are here. Listen, young people, you are here on purpose. You are here for a reason. And if you agree with this church, you need to let me know. You need to let me know because our young people are under attack. I don't know about you, but I haven't forgotten that some young people took their lives because they didn't know who they were. They weren't confident in who God made them to be. They, did, they felt like their life had no purpose, no meaning, no value. And so they chose a path of destruction and death instead of choosing a path of life. This is such an important message for our young people today. You need to know this, young people. That God has an incredible plan for your life. Incredible plan for your life. And adults, you need to know this. God has an incredible plan for your life. The Apostle Paul. One of the greats, one of the spiritual giants of the Bible. The Apostle Paul, whenever I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of a man. Like, he was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. And he just kept serving the Lord. But did you know that the Apostle Paul struggled with comparison? You see, there was other spiritual greats who had great ministries. And Paul struggled looking at their ministries and seeing how many people were coming to faith while he's rotting in prison. He struggled with comparison. And listen to what he said in the letter that he wrote to some churches in the city of Galatia. He's trying to encourage Christians. He's trying to encourage us in this, in this idea of comparison. Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. The Apostle Paul said, pay careful attention to your own work. In other words, don't compare yourself. Pay, pay careful attention to what you're good at and what you've been gifted for and what you do. 
For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Verse 5, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Oh man, in a day and age where we love blaming anyone and everything, what a powerful little verse. Verse 5, we are each responsible You're responsible for your conduct. You're responsible for how you live this life. You're going to be held accountable for how you choose to live this one and only life that you've been given. I'm responsible to become the best me that God has designed me to be. That's my job. That's what I'm responsible for. And the reality is we never measure up when we compare ourselves with someone else because what we're doing is we're comparing our insides to their outsides. That's not what God intends. You see, all of us are different. Come on, we're all different, and that is a good thing. We're all different. We're all unique. We all bring something valuable to our circumstances. We all bring value to our relationships. We all bring value to this world. So so how do we fight back? How do we walk in victory over this comparison trap? How do we get off this horrible path? How do we live in this world that's full of images and pictures and the temptation to compare is just, it's all around us. I want to give you three practical considerations to help you avoid the traps of comparisons. First of all, And you can write this down because I think it's worthwhile to do so. I believe this will help you. This is good. This is going to be beneficial for your life. When you're drawn or when you're tempted or when you just have that feeling to compare yourself with others, choose instead to celebrate other people. Celebrate others. So whenever you're about to compare yourself to someone else, you should find a way to celebrate that person. Like, seriously, go right up to the person and compliment them on the the very thing that you're jealous about. Compliment them. Encourage them. Find a way to celebrate them. I personally have found that when I celebrate other people or when I encourage other people, it shifts the focus to God. And it shifts the focus to that other person. And it takes the spotlight off of me. It keeps me from self-loathing. It, 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 it does something in my, in my brain that helps me to stay focused on what's pure, what's right, what's good, instead of what's wrong. Man, celebrate other people. Encourage other people. Man, what a beautiful home you have. Like, and mean it. You know, you don't, don't lie, but mean it. If it's a beautiful home, compliment it. Encourage them. That's a beautiful home. That's a beautiful place. You are an incredible athlete. My gosh, you're a stud. Like, man, you are, like, that game Friday night, you were incredible. You were an incredible athlete. Celebrate them. I I really respect your leadership. I mean, the way that you interact with other people, man, I, I just really respect your leadership. Thank you for being a good leader in our church or in our community or in the business world. I've I've learned so much from your teachings. 
Keep up the good work, man. Keep up the good work. I've learned so much from you. Your kids, they are incredible. You are such an incredible parent. I I mean, the way your kids uh, excel academically, that is so impressive. Like, good job. Way to be a good parent. I'm cheering you on. Nice boat. Nice boat. I'm going to be honest. I want a boat, okay? Nice boat. Like, it's amazing how the shackles of comparison just fall off when we actually encourage one another. Instead of going to this dark place of jealousy and comparison. Paul put it this way in the scriptures. He said, encourage each other. He said the exact same thing. Encourage one another. Encourage each other and build each other up. Wow, that's such a novel idea. What if we did that? What if we built each other up? Second way we can fight back is through a simple word, and it's observation. Okay? We live in a world full of images and stuff, and we're, we're always going to be drawn to compare. But let me just suggest this. Instead of comparing, make a different choice, and instead, choose rather to observe. Observe. So, so you're jealous of his business skills, okay? That's, okay, you're, you're feeling this jealousy because he's such a good business leader. What if you observed how he does what he does or why he does what he does? Instead of just being jealous and trying to knock him down, what if you observed, you listened, and you learned? I tell my fourth grade football team that all the time. God gave you two eyes and two ears and one mouth, all right? So what if you observe and you talk less and listen more? Observe, listen, and learn. Maybe you can learn some things that you can apply to your life or to your business. You know, maybe you're always comparing your family to that perfect little family, right? That family that has it all together, that family that drives you crazy. They just seem to be perfect. What if instead of comparing, you observed? Why are they doing what they do? How are they able to do such things? What if you took them to coffee and said, hey, can, can you help me be a better parent? What if you listened and you learned? You know what has to happen in order for that to pl- uh, take place? Your ego has to die. You have to put your ego to death. Instead of comparing, observe, humble yourself, listen, and learn. And maybe you can learn some things that you can apply to your family, some things that could help your family to be healthier, some things that could help your family to be stronger. Okay, so let me, let me get personal here just for a moment. I've been pastor here seven years, and I have learned some incredible life-changing things from you. There's some individuals in this church, there's some marriages in this church, there's some families in this church, by observation, by me just simply watching you, I have learned some things that I have applied to my own health, that I've applied to my marriage. I'm not trying to be like you, but I'm trying to learn. And instead of trying to tear you down, it's like, wow, what an incredible marriage you have. And I try to learn from it. And 
and try to observe and listen and learn. I've made changes to my life as a direct result of, of observing your life. There are some people that I've done exactly the opposite. Okay, I have to be honest. Let's be real, right? We can be real in this place. But for many of you, gosh, I've learned from you and I appreciate it. The third way you can fight back against comparison is to discover. Discover how God has uniquely gifted you and then be who God has made you to be. And then live your life to the fullest. Some of you might be like, man, is this like a self-help message or what? No, listen. If I were to ask many of you today, how has God gifted you? I, I, I bet all of your money, that 85% of you would say, I have no clue. I don't know how God has gifted me. I don't, I don't know how he has made me unique. Or I don't know what I can bring to the table to add value to this community, to this church. You need to discover how God has uniquely gifted you and then be who God has made you to be. And here's, here's the crazy part. If we all commit to this idea of discovering who God has made us to be, and then we collectively use all of those giftings for good, oh my word. Like Archuleta County, La Plata County, Montezuma County, they better watch out. Because when we collectively use our giftings for good, this church will make an impact, guaranteed. You say, man, is that just your idea, Justin? No, that's God's plan. That's his plan for you to use what he's gifted you and to use it to the fullest, and collectively, it's going to make such a huge impact. You know, these little redemptive communities called the church, what you're sitting in right now, it's not these four walls or this building. It's you. You are the church. This little redemptive community is a place where people who are broken and people who are lost, they get found. They come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then those found people, they grow up in their faith. This is a little place where lonely people, they find community, they find connection. This is a place where rich people help the poor. This is a place where the hands and feet of Jesus are made visible. And Jesus says, the church is my body. You see, when the body is working correctly, amazing things can be accomplished. But when it's not, I'm, I'm three and a half weeks removed from back surgery. And my body wasn't working right. Wasn't working properly. And when your body isn't working right, it affects everything. It affects everything you do. Many of you understand this. Boy, when your body is working right, which it's working much better, my body is, it makes such a difference. And it's just a simple illustration for the church. When the body is working right, gosh, there's joy, there's peace, there's no backfighting and backstabbing, and there's no division, and we're making an impact, and we're making a difference. Jesus says, the church is my body, my presence to the world, and the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it all happen. God did not ask his redeemed children to take on the global challenge of making disciples all by themselves. He didn't send them out as solo acts. 
Instead, his plan was to draw redeemed individuals together into supernaturally empowered communities called churches. And together, their individual talents, their individual abilities would be multiplied. Their giftings would be multiplied a hundred times over. That's why I love the church. That's why I'm a part of it. That's why I'm in this game. Because of the difference it can make, the potential that it has. So discover how God has uniquely gifted you and then be who God has made you to be. Here at Grace, we're going to challenge you again and again to find out how God has uniquely gifted you. And then we're going to cheer you on in that direction. So be who God has created you to be. If you could take out that little mirror again. And I guess my hope, my intention, was that you would use this little mirror as a reminder. Okay? I think it'll fit in your pocket. It could fit in your wallet. You could throw it in your purse. And what I'm going to ask you to do is on the back of that mirror, if you could write a big letter B. Okay? Are you done? Okay, sorry. All right. Write a big letter B. And... Use this as a reminder. When you're tempted to compare, when you're tempted to tear others down because you're jealous of what they're doing or what they have, I want you to take out this little mirror and just remind yourself to be who God has made you to be. Be who God has made you to be. Use it as a reminder to stay off the path of comparison. Let me finish this morning by pointing you to Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to have a great opportunity to respond in faith to what Jesus has done for us. And in the greatest display of humility, the greatest display of humility that the world has ever seen, Jesus willingly gave his life so that you could live. Now let me just remind you, Jesus who is God in the body, okay, God in the flesh. He came from heaven to earth, and he could have been anyone. He could have been the world's best athlete. He could have been a world leader that conquered all nations. He could have been anyone, but instead he came as a servant. Jesus willingly came as a servant, and he took all of our brokenness. He took all of our shame, all of our comparing. And he took it all upon himself so that we wouldn't be crushed by that weight. And Jesus took the bullet for us. He went to the cross on our behalf so that we could walk in freedom. That's what's being offered today is freedom. True freedom. And in just a moment, we're going to take communion. And when you take communion, you're identifying with Jesus Christ. By taking communion, you're saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe his body was broken on my behalf. I believe his blood was shed for my forgiveness. And I want to follow Jesus with my life. I want to give him my life. You can respond in faith today by taking communion. And in doing so, you're identifying with Jesus Christ. You're identifying with his people. And let me just remind us, these little crackers and this juice, they don't save you. Okay, this is, this is an act to, to remember what Christ did. This is an act for you to take a step of faith and to say, I am a son, I am a daughter of God. And I'm, 
I'm partaking of this to identify with Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not going to do this thing called life on my own anymore. You're saying, Jesus, I believe in you, and I want to follow you with my life. Communion also gives us a great opportunity to do a heart check. Paul said, pay careful attention to your own work. And we are each responsible for our own conduct. So if you're responsible for your own conduct, I think it would be very wise of us to do an internal inventory. For us to check our hearts and to say, where am I? Like, what have your actions been like the past week? What were your actions like last night? Have you been walking right with God? And if not, you can turn away from that destructive path and you can realign on the right path. And you can say, God, I'm, I want to be right with you. I want my heart to be pure. I, I want to be all in. I want my yes to be on the table. This is a great time to do this internal inventory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And we're going to give you a few moments. There's going to be some music playing in the background. Just take a few moments to to check your heart. Take a few moments to to make sure that you're right with God. Take a few moments to say, man, have I ever taken that step of faith to say, I believe that Jesus died for me? I think this is an incredible, important moment for us as a church. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to give us a few moments to check our hearts. And when you're ready, I want you to get up from your seats. There's a table right here. There's a table right behind the pole here. And when you're ready, I want you to partake of communion. And uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for being an example on our behalf. I mean, if there was anyone that had the right to be prideful and arrogant, it was you. I mean, you, you were God, you were perfect, but yet you chose the path of humility. You humbled yourself. You, you washed your creation's feet. I mean, you, you just... You chose such different paths than our flesh wants to go, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to be like you. If we're going to compare ourselves to anything, I pray that we would compare ourselves to you, Jesus. Father, I pray in this moment that some people would take a step of faith and they would say, I'm going to identify with God and his people. And I believe that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again. I pray that there would be many other people too that use this time to repent, to to get their hearts right to be honest as they assess themselves internally, Lord. We give you this moment. We give you this time. In Jesus' name.